Just want to wish you Merry Christmas. I really hope this week's special for you. Uh, not just in that there's gift giving, there's gathering and good food. Anybody like good food? Me, me too. Not, not just all that stuff, but that we, might, uh, that we might encounter Jesus in a fresh way this season. That we, we wouldn't just kind of go through the motions and kind of throw some presents around, but we'd truly get to celebrate Jesus and what he's doing in our, in our life. I want to, before I, I dive into our message this morning, greet our guests, I want to welcome some special guests. Uh, I, I, I talked to you last week, uh, Fathom family, about uh, uh, two congregations that are going to begin to use this space, um, a Romanian congregation, these beautiful folks over here, some of them, not everybody, but some of them in here. So welcome them here this morning. Uh, they're they're going to begin to um, they're going to begin to gather here on Sunday nights, and so we're just excited about what God's going to do in their ministry. Uh, they've been a church for uh, some time. I don't even know how long, but a good while, and uh, they're going to continue to uh, continue their ministry on Sunday nights here. And then on Sunday afternoons here, we're going to have a Korean congregation begin to meet here. You met some of them as well. So um, we're looking forward to just both of those ministries thriving in 2016 and, and just what God's going to do in their life. And so, and Fathom, we're going to keep on doing what God's called us to do right here. And I think even next year we might see just some kind of unified fellowship events and, and nights of, of prayer and just celebration. It's going to be cool. So uh, just watching... It's nice when, um, when the earth starts looking like heaven, looks a little more diverse, starts looking uh, like, like heaven's going to look, so, and the praise too. So uh, we're just looking forward to this morning. If this is your first time at Fathom, we've got a lot of first-time guests, and we're glad you're here. Uh, we, we pray that this isn't just like a, a church thing, but this is an opportunity for you to really encounter Jesus in a fresh way, and for you to, to grow in faith, not just your faith, but also family. Those people you meet around, that they, they just don't become strangers in a pew with you. We don't have pews, but you know what I mean. Um, they just don't become strangers, but they become family and, and someone that's doing life with you. And so that's our, our prayer and hope. And, and we just want to tell you, if you are a guest here today, we want to tell you, welcome home. We want to tell you, welcome home. We pray that it feels like that and you can grow. Uh, and so we're going to dive into our message. The past couple of weeks, we've been in this series called It's Not What It Looks Like. Right, that's kind of what Mary was saying. It's not what it looks like, and so we've uh, we've just been diving in, and we've looked at some things like when we adjust our attitude of faith, that we can really unlock our joy, the joy of the Lord that He's given us, and and when we experience and encounter the glory of the Lord, it can bring the incredible peace of the Lord in the season. And today, I want to continue, and we're just going to talk about worship and gifts, and it's that time of year, and I just want to help some of you out, because I know as this week rolls on, you've probably already done what I'm about to say, and you may be better at it than what we're going to do, but some of you might struggle with, how do you fake it? How do you fake it when you get a gift you hate or you don't know what to do with, right? And so Chelsea's going to join me, and we're going to help you guys work through, how do you fake it when you get a gift you know you hate? So here's like 10 or 11 um, ways you can do it. First, just state what it is. Oh, coasters. You got, you got me coasters. Oh, great. Really. State what it is. Or you can say, I don't have this. You know, I, I, you know we've lived here for so long, I don't have these. So. <laughs> or, or you can say, I've always wanted this. I've been needing these. I've always wanted some fathom coasters. Thank you. The rings on my table are out of control, right? (laughs) You can focus on how it works. These are really great. I can just I can set them down and then they'll soak up all the all the condensation. 
inspiration for my drinks. It's great. It's really useful. That's exactly how a coaster works. Just keep pushing it. You can overcompensate. You can always use adjectives you don't normally use. You are so tight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, boss. <laughs> boss coasters you have there. <laughs> this is a good one. You can put it on other people. Coasters! Yes? Coasters! Yeah! <laughs> or you can always just insult yourself. Or just cry. When the tears run out, you can just nod a lot. Yeah. <laughs> or you can hide your reaction with your gift. That's another option. Or just say wow a lot. Wow. Yes. Wow. Everybody, wow. wow. Awesome. Give it up for Chelsea today. You did a great job. So hopefully that helps when you get your selfie stick this week or something. Um, it's good to, or your cell phone holder or whatever. Um, it's good to have you with us. I'm just excited about uh, what God's doing in our church. It's been just a, a neat season. Again, I just want to welcome our guests. and just uh, It's going to be a fun day. Our kids are going to sing some songs for us later. And I just want to dive into, into the Lord's Word today and, and just open it up to Matthew chapter 2 and, and talk about how do we respond to the greatest gift. You know, we can worry about our reactions and stuff, but how do we actually respond to the greatest gift that's ever been given, Jesus? Because when you're given a gift, you have to make a choice. You have to respond. You can't just stand there and look. You either reject it or, or you accept it. And so I want to talk about that. So let's go to Matthew chapter 2 today and talk about how we respond to this great gift. Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. After Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. Pause it right there. So just to kind of give you a little bit of background on who these magi were. They're from the east. They're most likely Persian. They could have been another descent, but probably Persian of some sort. And they, when you think of magi, like you don't know, we don't know what that word is. Anybody know what that word is? We don't know what that is. We don't use that word. But a lot of times we use wise men, right? But really, they, they were kind of this kind of eclectic bunch of group, uh, group of usually men that they, they were astrologers, they were astronomers, they, they were really wise, they really were wise men in the nations, like kings and state uh, legislators and governors, they would seek their counsel to say, hey, what's coming, should I go into war with this country, can you help me think through this on the very practical level or something you might see in the stars, right? That was kind of what they were looking to at that time, and so they were really looked at as these great influencers. Last week, we looked at the shepherds, and they were just kind of a lowly bunch 
that Jesus showed his glory to in the middle of the field. And here, the Magi are, are used, these wise men. And, and so they come from the east. And you see, they've been waiting for this certain star. They've been waiting for the Messiah. Like, prophecies have carried on for hundreds of thousands of years awaiting the Messiah, awaiting the Savior. Like, you probably get annoyed when you wait for, like, a minute in a shopping line, right? Come on, be real with me. Like, you're, you're ducking, you're, you're diving to the, the smallest checkout line, you're the person in traffic who goes around people that everybody else is waiting, you get on the grass, the bumper, hope nobody, that's nobody in here. That's why we don't give out Fathom stickers, because sometimes I, I, don't, I don't trust my church in traffic. I trust you guys, I just don't trust you in traffic. Um, make people do weird things. Um, and so... I, I just got oh, to, <laughs> um, and, and so I, I think in, in all of our lives, we have to really begin to say, okay, so what does that mean for me? They were long awaiting this star. They've been waiting for this star for a long time, again, hundreds of thousands of years, and they're waiting for the Messiah, and now, and now that they're, they're finding it, and they're, they're seeing it. And so what I want to talk to you about today is really just this one, this one word in, in, is respond in worship. How do we respond to the greatest gift ever given? Respond like they, they did in worship. Now, we're going to see some gifts. We're going to see them traveling a long distance. We're going to see lots of different things. But the essence of why they have come is to worship. Now, there's a lot of different definitions of worship. Uh, in fact, without you ever trying to define it, you have a definition of worship. You box it in sometimes with like a service, like we're coming together to worship. But did you know in the New Testament, uh, corporate gathering was never referred to as worship? Never in the New Testament. The Old Testament, yes. But there was something deeper that worship was going to become in the New Testament. It wasn't just going to be a place of worship that we're often talked about. But what's it talked about in the New Testament that, that we become the place of worship? It's a temple. And that the church is not a place we gather, but it's a, it's a life we live and worship is not something we come to do, but it's a, just a constant daily state of honoring and delighting in the Lord. And so that's what I want to talk to us about. It's not just all these different definitions. And I'll tell you, I've thought about this and pondered it for years and years, over a, a decade. And just since I, I met Jesus and was passionate about worship and leading worship, I just wanted to know what is the heart of worship. Um, because sometimes I got, I got super jaded by the, the church thing, and you may experience that, have experienced that too. I got super jaded by just the motions, right? Some of us just get into the motions, I got super jaded about it, and I just wanted, God, what's the truest sense of what it means to worship you? And I'll just boil it down very simply for us today, and I believe it's just daily devotion, daily devotion of honoring and delighting in God. And I think both of those, just if you can just take away two things, what is worship? It's honoring God. And it's delighting in God. Just those two things. And, and I want to kind of break those down. Because sometimes we take one and we don't take the other. We, we take honor and God becomes first in our life. And, and slowly but surely, if we're not delighting, it becomes a job. It becomes a job. It becomes a chore. And slowly but surely, it becomes legalism. And we miss the relationship. And we, miss, we wonder why we don't experience joy. We wonder why we don't experience uh, peace, because we're honoring God, but we're not delighting in him. And sometimes we just delight ourselves in the Lord, and we love to come to church and kind of get our, our, our fancy tickled and, like, you know, hear a good message and be like, yeah, it's awesome, see you guys in heaven, and then, like, just keep moving on. And on our daily basis, we're not honoring God. 
The true sense of worship is, is an inward, it's an inward expression of what becomes just an outward reality as we just put God first and honor God in our hearts. And, and, and we've got to have both elements, not only honoring God, putting him first in the daily, but delighting in him in the daily. And, and I just want to encourage you, take both. Like, walk in both. Because if, if you're honoring God and you're doing everything you can, like, you are missing out on the delight. And if you are delighting, your, your life is probably not in order. Because <laughs> you're probably more delighting in, in just the things you like about God and, not, and actually not actually living and worshiping in his spirit and in his truth. And there's a, and there's a difference. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you, as we kind of get into the season, we begin to talk about these magi. Put God first. I want to know what worship is. What is our response to this greatest gift ever given? It's not, wow. It's not all of these things sometimes that we make our response. It's very simple. Just to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? Honor God. And then to delight in him. And, and when we delight ourselves in him, what? He'll give us the desires of our heart. And so let's, let's put him first. Let's honor him. Let's delight in him this season. Don't just delight in an exciting gift, but wake up tomorrow. Wake up today in this service and just delight in him and rejoice in, in, in a relationship that he's, he's given us. Let's continue, verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Right? Doesn't that seem like a weird word? Like he was disturbed? Wait, isn't everybody excited? He was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Let's continue reading. When he had called together all the people's chief, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where, is the, where, where the Messiah was to be born. He's just referring to where the pro- prophecies say, Bethlehem. That's one of the prophecies. Um, you know there was over 300 and probably a lot more than that, uh, just prophecies that were fulfilled in the life of Jesus. And there was a number of them that actually in his birth, that long, hundreds and thousands of years before they said it would be in Bethlehem, that he would come from the line of David, that he would come from the line of Judah. Like there, there's all these prophecies that were born, that he would be born in a lowly state. Like there's all these different prophecies that are fulfilled, and so he's asking about them. They respond, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet uh, has written. Here. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. And out of, for out of you will come a ruler and who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. So go ahead and read verse 8 too. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. Like, does anybody believe what he's saying? No, if you know anything about Herod, like historically or, or in the Bible, that he was about as paranoid as they come. Like, he had killed a bunch of his wife's family because he was worried about losing his throne. He literally killed his own children. He had a bunch of them. But he killed some of his kids because they thought, he thought they were going to take his throne at some point. That's like the height of paranoia. Like, some of y'all think y'all paranoid about stuff. Herod was paranoid. And he was paranoid about Jesus taking his throne, even though he was being born in the lowliest of mangers from the, the least of the tribes. He knew there was something in him that was pricing up against him. He knew that this was real. He knew what was taking place was real. And so really what I want to talk to us about for just a second, Herod's faking it, right? He's faking it. He's like, come so I may worship him. Like he's just kind of putting on the front. And, and let's just get real for a little bit. When it comes to worship, when it comes to responding, a lot of times we just put on the front. You may not identify with Herod's paranoia, but you may um, identify with his faking it. And I can identify with his faking it because for many years before I really said yes to Jesus, I, I, I lived in church just about. 
Uh, my parents were very dedicated in church, and I was there all the time. But I just faked it for years and years and years. Just faked it. I was like, here, let me come and worship. Let's, let's jam. Let's play worship. I was all about music. It was all about different things. But I was faking it. And I found just such deep emptiness in my life. I mean, to the point, and I've shared this on, on different occasions, that I just, I just wanted to be done with light. That's the, that's the height of faking it when no one knows just the depression and pain you're in and, and that emptiness, and you're just faking it constantly. It, it leads you just just want to end it. You just want to quit. And I've been there. Thankfully, didn't do it. But God brought me to this place of a genuine relationship that I don't have to fake it anymore. I can come as I am. I don't have to fake it and put on a front anymore, but he would take me just as I am. He, he, he showed his glory to the shepherds, and here he's appearing in a way that the magi actually can respond to it. See that? It's different. God responds to us. He, he shows himself. He presents himself to us in all very different ways. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Um, not only is the faking over when it comes to worship for us in this room, but the search is over. The search is over. Is it, man, isn't life just kind of sometimes... What was that? I forget the name of the vessel recently. And there's been lots of vessels, like uh, planes and boats that have crashed in the past year, you know? And it's just these search teams that go out, right? And they just go searching and searching. It feels like endless. The child that, was, that, that died here recently, locally, you remember they were just searching and just endless searches. And like, honestly, isn't that what our life is? Like, sometimes we're just searching for hope, we're searching for meaning. We're searching in every bottle and every drug and every relationship and in every career move and every single time we get to that place that we think is going to fulfill us, what do we find? We find it doesn't, it doesn't work and we just keep searching and we keep looking to the next thing. And that's what our life becomes, just this cycle of searching. But like with the Magi, for us today, not only do we have to, can we stop faking it and really worship, it, it, not only that, but we can actually, the search is over. Like, we have, we have discovered it, and like, if you have not discovered Jesus, and you're in this house, like, the search is over. The search is over. If you've been lonely and kind of running, or whatever, in, in your entire life, and, and maybe you don't have family, maybe you don't have anything, like, the search is over. God brings you into his family. He calls you a child of his own. Just like he loved Jesus, he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so... Not only is the faking over, but the search is over. You don't have to keep searching. You don't have to keep looking. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is present. That we don't have to keep searching and keep looking at every, <clears throat> every job change, every person that comes around. Keep looking for the right fit, for the right kind of concoction that will make everything come at peace. It's just being one with the Lord. He's present with us. He's being present with us. I'm coming to the house they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Last verse, and then if you'll go back to verse 12 after this. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Go back to verse 11. And we remember this part. This is kind of what we remember about the Magi, right? They, they bring gifts Right? And we don't necessarily, the scriptures don't even say that it was three wise men. We just kind of use our Sherlock Holmes deduction. There's three gifts. There's probably three, three wise men. Uh, but they bring these gifts. And these gifts, why do we bring gifts? 
Like when we give someone gifts, obligation, right? Come on, some of you guys feel obligated. Well, they bought for me, therefore I got to buy for them. You know, we start going through this whole deal. We have different reasons. We buy because we have to. We want to make someone happy. We want to show them we love. We have all these different ways, reasons. Why they brought gifts was, it was honor. What I say about worship is honoring God. The, the reason they bought, brought gifts is to honor God. Because they want to put him first and show that. And they bring these three very specific gifts. And sometimes uh, we can get, kind of get lost in just this kind of trance of what it is. And actually, if you read the, um, uh, the lyrics of the song, We Three Kings, you've probably heard of it. Go back and read verses 1, 2, and 3 about that. And it's, it tells us really the kind of understanding and the meaning, the theological meaning about what these three gifts mean. And it was announcing not only that honor was due, and here's just another kind of tidbit to the side. Magi meets with all the people secretly to devise this plan and kind of ask these things. When something was done in secret, it was dishonorable. So there's this kind of very much highlighting of the dishonor of Herod and the great honor that the Christ child, the Messiah, uh, that was being born, that he is due. And so these, these wise men, international influencers, come from afar and they bring and bring gifts. They bring gold, they bring frankincense and myrrh. Gold was representative and symbolic of really Jesus' kingly role. That, that he was not just any other baby, but this child was a king. He wasn't king as men would crown kings, but he was king of the world. God's son. And frankincense, which is a funny word, I saw this little video of these little kids and they were saying, what, what were the gifts that, that they brought Jesus? The wise men brought Jesus and one of them said, gold, Frankenstein, and murder. <laughs> like, no, they didn't bring him murder and they didn't bring him Frankenstein. Um, frankincense was a, a type of um, incense. And so they'd bring that and it was really a sign not only of and symbolic uh, of Jesus' kingly duty with the gold, but with his priestly duty that we no longer needed a high priest, that Jesus was our high priest. <clears throat> Where we were fall way short, Jesus fulfilled for us. In the Old Testament, in the law, they had to do all of these different kind of duties, and only, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, the deepest parts of God's presence. Once a year, they, they tied a, a chain or a rope around his feet in case like the glory of God just like struck him dead, they just drag him out. <laughs> Seriously, that's... And what they did. But Jesus became our high priest. That's what that frankincense represents. He was not only our king, but he was our high priest. And then lastly, myrrh. It was a prophetic gift. It was a prophetic gift because myrrh is something that you anoint a body with after it's died. And it was knowing that uh, Jesus, it, it's just crazy to even think about this child that was born on his his. his birthbed is a gift for his death. And that this child was not any child. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He was king of the world. And he invites us today into worship. Just like the, they came and they offered gifts, the greatest gift that we can give in this season. Right? Your kids have been asking for certain things. You've been making your wish list on Amazon. Been wanting all these different things in this season. And really the greatest gift that we can bring is not gold, is not frankincense, is not myrrh. Because God doesn't need your gifts. He doesn't need your talents. 
He doesn't need your money. God doesn't need anything. He is just fine. Like he is, but he wants all of you. Not just all of you, but all of you. He wants your gifts. He doesn't need them. He doesn't need your money. He wants you to be connected to his kingdom. And he wants your worship. He, in fact, the scriptures say he's jealous over your worship. He's jealous. Some of the ladies in the house, and guys can probably r- relate to this too, but sometimes um, maybe if you're dating, like you get jealous about somebody else. I don't know if you're the jealous type. I've never been the jealous type. But, you know, I'll speak up. If I see somebody looking at my wife, I'm like, hey, bro, got a problem? I'm not a, I told you I'm scrappy. You guys go back. Y'all know I, I'm not afraid to throw a bow. So um, when we think of that jealousy sometimes we have, even parents in the house, protection over your kids, God is jealous for you. Not for all this stuff, for, for you. And maybe in this world, like you, you're, you might be struggling because you've never felt wanted. And I want you to know today that God wants you. He doesn't need you, but he, he wants you. And so I want you to today, I want us to worship. They're going to begin to lead us in just the song of come let us adore him again. And purposely have a very simple short message today. But it's, remember just worship is what's our response to honor and delight in him. It's an inward response that flows into the outside. And then in this season, the greatest gift that we can give him is just ourselves, our worship. Romans 12.1 says, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Just walk in that, walk in that daily worship. And so I want to invite you to stand, and uh, I want to make another invitation for us today before they begin to sing and lead us. That, that symbolic gift that one of those wise men brought, myrrh, just what, what a gift for him to bring that it was declaring Jesus' death and resurrection. And what we, something we do here every week is we offer an opportunity to come to the table and to, to break bread. And when you come, you don't come and um, say, got my stuff together this week, therefore I get, to, I get to have a piece of bread. Like my son loves to come up here and grab a piece of bread. He's a snacker, so he loves to grab that. It's not declaring that. It's declaring, Jesus, I need you. It's your body that's broken for me. It's your blood that's been poured out for me. Jesus, it's you that's enough for me, not me that's enough for me. And, and when we declare that, it's, it's a moment of repentance. It's a moment of declaration that Jesus has made us worthy, though we are not worthy in and of ourselves. And when we do it today in this season, what a cool time to just see that we are united together in this house under the, the feet of Jesus and at the feet of Jesus. And across this entire globe, we unite with Christians literally all over the world. When we break bread, we break bread as one church, not a bunch of churches. In this city, there's churches that are breaking bread right now, and we join together as a unified body of Christ. So if you don't know Jesus today, I would love to, to pray with you and talk with you um, and you just to make that declaration today. Uh, and I'll be available at this cross. And they're going to lead us in this beautiful song. And I just say, let's worship. Worship with honor. Worship in delight. And, uh, oh, come let us adore him. God, I thank you in this house that you've moved on hearts today. 
You've awakened souls that have been searching, that have been faking, God. You're speaking directly to them. And I pray that today the search would be over. I pray that the faking would be over, God. I've done both of those things, and I just pray in this house, God, that we would truly just begin to walk daily devotion, honoring you and delighting in you, God, today, that we would put ourselves at your feet. We are the gift we bring, God, all of us for all of you. We thank you today that we can come to this table and declare, God, that it is finished. What you did at the cross was enough for us, God. We declare that, and we celebrate it today as we come. In Christ's name, amen. I invite you to come as you are today.